This is episode 315 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Five Things That Disappeared During the Collapse of Venezuela and Reading the Weather Signs and Preparing Accordingly. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. When you purchase the ebook, you also get exclusive membership into the Prepper website forums where you can discuss and get advice and encouragement about your microbiz and also other preparedness topics. For more information, go to microbiz.biz or click on the link in the show notes. Hey, a couple of things before we get started. Uh, I know that I've talked about uh, this last week, but I was on the Mind for Survival uh, podcast with Brian Duff and uh, we had such a great time. Our interview went uh, went more. My interview went two hours or uh, long enough to do two episodes. And so Brian released his second episode late last week. Uh, I believe it was Friday. I didn't mention it, but I, I'm mentioning it now because I know that you know there was the first episode, and then I did one with Dell Goodwin over at Survivalist Prepper. And then this one was coming out as well. So uh, just giving a little bit of separation there. But I want to tell you, we, we had a great, this second interview or the second podcast, uh, the portion of it, we talked about five quick money-making tips. And we just had a good time just going back and forth and sharing you know, our uh, ideas and information and then our stories. And so I think you'll really like this one. Uh, I was listening to it, and uh, I can't remember what it was. I was. There was something that I chuckled, and my son, I was taking my son to uh, to the movies, and he said, did you just laugh at your own like <laughs> episode, like your own podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking back to uh, our interview, and it was good. It was fun, and so uh, I hope you enjoy it as well. I also want to let you know that I did release this week's Weekly Watchmen for those of you that uh, would like to look at current events uh, from maybe a, a Bible and prophecy point of view. And that's over at edthatmatters.com. And I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes as well. So you can just quickly go over there. Um, I highly recommend because, you know, I link to about five or six different videos out there. I highly recommend at least uh, watching John Haller's video. And uh, he gets a little passionate sometimes, a little worked up on this one. Uh, but then uh, also Jacob Prash's is also, you know, Jacob Prash's videos. I love, I, I love the content and I love his, uh, his commentary and his analysis. I do not like one of the things that they do is uh, I guess like when they're proving a point or whatever, they'll bring in footage from uh, the news or they'll put in, you know, bring in footage from some other video and sometimes it's like really long. I'm like, no one, no one cares about that. I mean, if they want to, you can always refer to it and link to it. But uh, I just rather so a lot of the times, um, I, well, I was saying I just rather just skip, uh, skip all that, and they not put that in there. Um, I, I don't know if they're just trying to increase the length of the video or whatever. A lot of the times, I just forward past that, and so you might want to do that as well to get to Jacob's analysis of what's going on. Uh, because you know, he has some really good analysis there. 
All right, so uh, again, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Our first article comes to us from theorganicprepper.com. Daisy posts a lot from J.G. Martinez, who uh, used to live in Venezuela. I think at one point he was trying to get his family out as well, so he has left it. But he's still very much tied to all the people over there. And uh, so he's, he still has a lot of information. Uh, his family is still in there, so he's hearing about what's going on. And uh, it doesn't look too good. And so a lot of the times people are looking at you know Venezuela, and it was this country that is just a beautiful country. There's no reason why. It really should be in, in a collapse. It's more the tyrannical government that has just run it into the ground. And uh, the people are just kind of having to deal with it because, well, you'll find out here, uh, you know, one of the major reasons why uh, they're having to just kind of sit there and take it. Uh, and uh, something that, that necessarily, I don't know if it would happen here in America uh, that way because uh, we, I don't know if our, uh, our citizens would just sit there and take it. So I don't know. But anyway, so, you know, a lot of people are looking at Venezuela and looking at the things and how things progressed and how it kind of really picks up speed. I mean, we're not over there. We don't hear about it all the time unless we are reading articles like this and in the alternative news because, um, you know, it it, it did pick up steam very quickly. I know that I've talked about that before in the past. So let's go ahead and start, uh, like I said, theorganicprepper.com, five things that disappeared during the collapse of Venezuela. Let's go ahead and get started on this one. They say nothing lasts forever, but sometimes I know there are situations that seem to be eternal, and that is how it has seemed during the collapse of Venezuela. The agony of the Venezuelan-induced crisis is about to produce an output. How this results, it will depend on how much external assistance is required. Many things have disappeared as the military and government continue to control and subjugate the population. Self-defense. Venezuelans do not have weaponry at home. The right to defend our own lives was seized in 2014 under the threat of 25 years of jail for those who don't give their guns. Those who agreed to the registering of their guns had to give them for quote-unquote ballistic registration and they were never given back their weapons. All right, that right there is just crazy, right? So, uh, you know, 2014, not that long ago, guys. And then, you know, there was the threat of, you know, 25 years, you're going to be in jail for 25 years if you were caught with it. And then, uh, of course, they said, you know, you can keep your guns and all that good stuff, but we want to just make sure that we, uh, we register the ballistics of it and we'll give them right back to you. And, of course, they never did. So, wow. Of course, that probably would never happen here. People wouldn't fall for that here. Please note that the gun culture was never as strong in our country as in the USA or other countries. It was just not as common. Most of our society came from the war-devastated Europe and had an intrinsic fear of guns. Perhaps they had their reasons, though. These days, there are no gun shops, no ammo available, other than for the military and law enforcement. What were once well-supplied gun shops with lots of varieties of defensive tools, all kinds of ammunition, accessories, and tons of other stuff have become sporting goods shops to prevent going out of business. Most of them sell as well accessories for the LEOs and NGs, boots, leg holders, molly vests, bulletproof vests with the official forces logos, riot helmets, go figure. But the civilians don't get a chance to defend themselves. Money. The daily struggle has been these last few weeks intensifying. 
the price increases are no longer bi-weekly, they are daily increases. Prices are different if you pay with cash or via de debit card or interbank transfer. Remember that old saying that says cash is king? It became especially true even under the hyperinflation rate. Cash prices are half of what you would pay with debit or transfer. Of course, that will work until the payment systems fall apart. With the currency controls, the spare parts and electronic equipment prices have skyrocketed, and the systems are wearing out at an accelerated rate without any hope to be replaced. I have mentioned this disaster in my social network profiles as being a post-collapse stage and the people living in the debris without even noticing it. You know, that's something that we don't ever really consider is, you know, being in a collapse. Would businesses be able to, you know, if you're in a collapse and, and dealing with this kind of stuff going on, would you be able to replace, uh, you know, equipment? And uh, so what he's saying is their, their you know, systems are starting to fall or fail and it's just the equipment is too expensive to replace it. So, of course, businesses will go out of business just because of that as well. The salaries, obviously, have remained the same, especially those of the state workers. Therefore, there are plenty of workers who have just quit via email after leaving the country without looking back. There are quote-unquote bonuses and other government handouts only available for those with the carnet of the patria. That is used as a blackmail mechanism and for fraud in the elections. That, instead of solving the problem, makes it worse. The government has driven to bankruptcy over 8,000 companies all over the country. This is serious business. Utilities. The situation with the electrical power crisis is becoming a point of no return. The mafia gangsters know that. After food accessibility, the access to energy is one of the major ways to control the population. They have been using military strategies against the civilian population, not just in terms of repressive techniques, but cutting the supply lines. The lack of a reliable electrical power supply affects the water supply. As a result, now people in the major cities are not just struggling for food. They have now an intermittent water service. Most of them live in places where they don't have access to space enough for installing a tank, like small apartments in the nearby smaller bedroom cities. Another remarkable negative aspect is the propane supply. It has completely been taken over by the mafias. This problem with electricity makes the banks and ATMs work at 20% of their capacity. The cash available to each user is limited or rationed. Even if you have millions, the daily quota is barely able to pay for a ride on the bus, not even to take a cab. In some places, the power is limited to two hours a day. Not even in the special period in Cuba was there a similar power rationing. There has been proof that one of the revolutionary governors is running a warehouse filled with over 11,000 Bitcoin mining machines, and this is one of the reasons for the power rationing in the Zulia state. Go figure. The lack of the investment in the main infrastructure is monumental. Since Maduro arrived, it seems all the money went to someone else's pocket, but the maintenance of the power grids was never done. Neither the main generator of that which was once the engine of our economy, the oil industry. The actual balance sheet of this corporation is a joke. I was in a 25-person group. There are only three remaining who can't leave because they don't have any money nor some way to find it. 
It is a shame because these are responsible family heads, not the usual joker who used to laugh when I mentioned the need for prepping and having the papers ready to fly away. We are now scattered to the four cardinal points of South America and Europe. Most of us are specialists, so many have been lucky to find jobs in the line of work they were carrying along. The amount of specialists, specialized laborers, experienced technicians that have been forced to migrate is so large that there is no other output. The power grid is collapsing slowly, but its paralyzation is inevitable. The politicians, and I mean both sides of this apocalyptic equation, simply can't accept this reality. They lack the needed vision. For this, guys, the future is just the days after today. They, their concept of tomorrow is just as limited and narrow, as big as their greed and lust for power and control of people's lives. Wow. All right, next is food. My wife's testimony is heartbreaking. She has been struggling until last week with the food scarcity. Her cooking skills worked a lot for creating attractive meals for the kids, mostly for the younger one. Indeed, to be honest, the older one is able to eat stuff unknown in the solar system. Not that this is something bad for a survivor. The amount of people without a proper nutrition is already getting bigger. My wife mentioned that neighbors and acquaintances with an awesome weight loss are surprising. She has run into some friends after some time without seeing them, and she has found herself in trouble to recognize them. The prices, as expected in a collapsed, hyperinflationary economy, are rising daily. The only opportunity for survival is receiving an external steady supply of foreign currency, and even this is not sufficient. Even if you have money enough, you will have to go from place to place to try to buy some food. There is no guarantee of being able to find food available. The mafias take over the food in large amounts, purchasing in bulk and leaving the shelves empty. The cash money supply is as well kidnapped by the mafias. They sell 1 million bolivars cash, but you have to transfer 1,500,000 bolivars to the account of the mafia. The now non-legitimate government says this is an economical warfare and they keep blaming the U.S., the EU, the aliens, and the astronomical conjunctions or the climate change. This is why no one believes in them anymore. And so guys, that's uh, another thing there is uh, here is that people eventually do move in and start taking over like the mafias. And you know what? The mafias, I'm sure are carrying guns and they have all that kind of stuff and they have connections and they have you know ways of of uh, doing things that the normal citizen uh, wouldn't be able to do and so uh, that's that's another thing that will take over and uh, that you'll have to deal with in uh, in a collapse you know in this kind of situation here all right next thing is transportation why do i say the collapse already happened because you can't buy things even if you have the money Because now the capability to repair a car or motorcycle is non-existent. And if you don't have a bicycle or some small gasoline-efficient vehicle, dirt cheap and easy to repair, be prepared to walk a lot. My huge cruising motorcycle is now in storage until further notice. I would rather own a small Vespa 250, that and have a spare tire, and carry a passenger with some luggage. This is one of the items I will buy once we are back from the rebuilding. Or for the rebuilding. With the gas prices that I expect to be set in the new economy after the recovery, this is going to be a need. My SUV is busted. The engine repairing 
is on the range of 1600 to 1800 Therefore, I am not repairing anything in the near future. No concerns here. The mafias are controlling the engine oil, batteries, and tire supply. And having an operational car being 4,500 kilometers far away, there's no point on that other than leaving a car in good shape to my dad. But being my brother without a car, well, you get the picture. He is my brother and I love him, but I worked way too hard to keep that SUV in good shape. <laughs> All right. So, um, man, that's that's uh, another thing. So, you know, JG is, uh, he's thinking he's going to be going back for a rebuilding. I mean, he, again, he's got family there. And so as soon as he, you know, it starts getting better, I can see him wanting to go back there. But uh, man, you know, this changes a whole nation and a whole idea, you know, maybe for the better, you know, because uh, people that came out of the Great Depression, uh, you know, they had certain ideas and we, we always hear about uh, those stories, you know, people who uh, have family recipes that were kind of passed down that that uh, they, they love to eat, but it was something that was made during the Great Depression or, you know, things that the, the, the parents who went through the Great Depression or grandparents, you know, w- would tell you to, you know, save money or do this or, or hide money or, or whatever. Or don't put all your money into the bank and, and all those different kinds of things. That kind of stuff is going to change a, a definitely a nation. And so when he says here, you know, when we go back, I'm going to be buying something very economical for the for the gas until things get straightened out. And he's got, you know, a big motorcycle and storage and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's very interesting. And again, he said the thing about a bicycle. I, I do think bicycles are one of those underrated things that we don't talk a lot about in preparedness. I think they're very valuable to have and, uh, you know, the spare parts there. All right. So continuing on, leaving was the only option. I think many of those with some military training reading this will agree with my comment about how the military strategies are being used on civilian populations. The reasons are plenty. They have killed people. They know that the international justice is after them, and it is just a matter of time before they have to run. They know they have endangered their very own families in their blindness and immeasurable greed. They try to cover and silence everyone who is opposed to their plans. But finally, my family is here and in good shape. My younger son is under a normal weight for his size. He is happy, and that is what really matters. Thanks to all of those who have found useful our bitter experience and have contributed willingly with some very needed assistance. It is a journey that I would not wish even to my worst enemies. Indeed, God bless you all. All right, so there's uh, there's about 19 comments here, so you can come and, and uh, check it out. And, uh, you know, JG does respond uh, to comments, and he does it when he can. He, he comes and uh, he'll respond to people you know, if they're asking specific questions. So you can check that out as well over at The Organic Prepper. You know, when I read an article like this, it just starts burning things into my mind. Like, what kinds of things would I want? Because, you know... If you are aware, like I'm always talking about, you got to be aware of what is happening in the world because it does affect us. Then you you might be able to pick up on you know some of the things that are really needed. Like you know, JG has responded before about those types of things. You know how he uh, they took care of had, having extra water and different things that they did uh, while the collapse was starting to uh, happen and things were starting to get worse before he decided to leave and then his family joined him. But you know if you can now you know now ahead of the time start seeing some of these things and start, you know, maybe being prepared. I think that's great. The worst thing is like, you know, those people that he used to work with, 
I think he said that there was like three people there who who couldn't leave even if they wanted because now they don't have any money. They didn't prepare ahead of time. They weren't ready for it. And now they're, they're kind of stuck. And uh, it's just a terrible place to be, especially if you are a, a father and, or, you know, you're a, a mother and you're having to watch your kids, you know, go through that and live in that where, you know, just three, four years ago, it was completely different. You know, five years ago, completely different and uh, it would be terrible. So that's one reason why we prep. And that's one one reason why, uh, you know, you're listening to this. Uh, at the very beginning of the podcast, I always talk about so you can better prepare for your loved ones. And uh, that's one of the big reasons why we do what we do. All right, guys, that's over at theorganicprepper.com. Don't forget to go check it out in, in the show notes. Our next article comes to us from prepperswill.com. And this is a fun article, but it's one of those two that you, you want to put in the back of your head and just like, all right, these are some things that I should maybe know here. Because I want you to think about this. How often do you depend on going to the internet for weather information, right? Or you go to your app on your smartphone or you turn to the weather channel on, on your TV um, to be able to see, you know, hey, what is the weather going to be like a couple of days down the road? What is the weather going to be like uh, later on uh, you know, today or you know, whatever, whatever it might be? How often do you do that? And what if we didn't have that ability you know what would you do you know would you be able to tell if the weather was changing and you were going to find yourself in a bad situation and so i like uh, articles like this i think this is you know one of those that you you definitely want to know so uh, like i said over at preppers will the article is entitled reading the weather signs and preparing accordingly so let's go ahead and read this one here we go again us preppers always talking about the great and heavy importance of staying prepared and with the issue at hand today is no different weather forecasting is a dying skill and people nowadays rely too much on the weather channel to plan their trips as we all know and can fairly easily recognize we are living and existing in a world gone for the most part and in light terms soft we rely on those pocket parrots to tell us everything we can hardly cross a busy street without text walking, and we thought th- th- thumbicating and driving was bad. Wow, that was uh, that's a good word there, thumbicating. Um, <laughs> one thing that we especially rely on our phones for is a quick and easy weather forecast. Even if we have the opportunity to look outside, we feel the need for a quick look at how the weather is going to be acting for the day, and that only makes sense. However, you will find that you can not only rely on the weatherman's forecast, but that you may especially consider, considering where our crazy universe is heading and the wild times we now exist in, find yourself without any access to a professional forecast. Or you could be on a two-week trek in some good old backcountry where WX2 and the Weather Channel app don't quite pick up. Or possibly you find yourself in a grid-down scenario. While it may not be wise to entirely rely on the local news station's weather forecast, one weather prophecy that you can count on is that someday you will find yourself deep in some backcountry and the weather will make a very unexpected change. This is bound to happen. With the weather getting warmer, more water vapors will be condensing and therefore creating the sudden possibility of a gnarly dark cloud formation. These clouds can quickly bring on severe electrical storms. It is also not unfamiliar for snow to fall at moderate heights even in mid-August. 
Fog and clouds can cling to a landscape even though the sun is blasting down a few measly miles away. Capricious weather in the back of beyond is a congenital hazard and therefore preparedness is the only surefire way to do it right. Believe it or not, it is possible for you to augur the weather simply by using the skills that your very nature gave you. By becoming a better spectator of the great sky, you can greatly lessen the chances of getting caught up in some surprise bad weather. Predicting the weather on your own and through your own visual observances of the sky can not only save your life in a dire situation, but can also be very enjoyable pastime and an all-around fun hobby. So first thing, thinking ahead. Of the many important things to bring along with you on the trail, common sense and a cautious viewpoint are among the essential. You should at all times bear in mind that if it can possibly go wrong, it will. Don't let this prophecy damper your time, but more so use it to your advantage. Always carry the appropriate gear for those what-if situations and with any time at all on the trail, you can be sure you'll find yourself in one at some point. You, know, you should know enough about the area you will be trekking before you ever even leave to know the possible weather patterns that may be experienced there. It doesn't take much effort to explore a region's past weather patterns. Also, if you have an emergency radio, yes, you can find these in small, easily towable versions, you can continually monitor the local forecast for the territory that you are in. So what exactly is weather? To wholly grasp the curiosity of weather, you have first to discern how it happens. Our atmosphere, the big, vast sky, is made up of a bunch of water vapor that has been evaporated by the sun's warmth and from the surface of the earth and the oceans. As the water vapor floats, or as the vapor floats around from warm place to cold place and vice versa, it becomes droplets, which collectively, along with dust particles, sea salt, and airborne pollutants, make up clouds. The water droplets only fall from the clouds when they become too heavy to stay suspended in the air. Understanding the properties and the peculiarities of clouds can help you to more accurately predict the weather, which brings us to our first point of interest, cloud observation. Those types of clouds you see in the sky can actually tell you quite a bit about the weather. For instance, billowing cumulus or clouds that are very high and almost a bright white generally indicate good weather. Always make it a habit of looking at the sky often to notice the developments of the clouds. An accurate prediction can be made well in advance by simply paying attention to the shapes and movements of clouds. Understanding the difference between the different types of cloud formations will help you to better decipher the weather. An important sign that clouds will often share with you is the arrival of a warm or cold front. A warm front. Warm fronts are known for their lingering strands of precipitation but scarcely generate violent weather. In general, warm fronts will begin thin, wispy, high-level cirrus clouds and can develop into low, thick stratus clouds. Once a nimbrostratus cloud, gray, thick, low-level forms, you will most likely get some precipitation, anything from a little mist to a steady rain or snow. A cold front. A cold front is an air mass that wedges itself under warmer air pockets. A cold front will move fast and expand quickly. This will cause the temperature to drop, the wind to shift directions, the barometric pressure to drop. Cumulus clouds, though in their early stages representing fair weather, can throughout the day turn into cumulonimbus clouds. These rise vertically and expand into the atmosphere from their puffy bases. 
These are also known as thunderheads and are known to foretell severe weather. Cumulonimbus clouds typically develop in the afternoon hours on hot summer days and create evening thunderstorms. Cloud color. The color of a cloud is the next best indicator of weather. White clouds, as mentioned previously, typically mean good weather or at least the tip of a front which may bring precipitation later in the day. Gray clouds can mean that a new storm is brewing up. A gray sky will most of the time indicate that the storm is affecting a rather large area. Black clouds represent that there is a coming storm but it doesn't have strong winds. Brownish clouds will typically mean that the coming storm will bring with powerful winds. Observing the wind. The second best way to monitor the motions of the weather is to closely observe the wind and its movements. Clouds alone do not always give the full scope of a weather pattern. Technically, the wind is created by disorder in the atmosphere, making it a pretty decent indicator of bad weather. First, you will want to detect the direction of the wind, seeing as how, in most cases, weather moves in from the west an easterly wind may strongly suggest that bad weather will be moving in on you soon. To check wind direction, toss a ha small handful of sand or grass blades into the air. You can also use the age-old trick of licking your finger and sticking it in the air. The side that gets cool first will indicate from which direction the wind is blowing. Just make sure you haven't been sticking that finger anywhere else. Build a fire and watch the smoke. The pressure in the air will determine where the smoke goes. If the pressure is high, the smoke will rise straight up in the atmosphere from the fire. If the pressure is low, the smoke will spiral back down towards the fire. This typically means that bad weather is on the way or is already in your immediate area as the low pressure system is already in place. Watch for the calm before the storm. Before a storm, the pressure system may push out the area's typical wind pattern, causing a sort of stillness over the area. Bodies of water will also appear to be still and calm. The calmness suggests that a storm is a brewing. By now, you should recognize other signs of the storm, such as those dark, gloomy clouds that now make up the sky. Sniff the rain. You may think that sounds a bit ludicrous, but it is a proven fact that if you slow down and inhale a big breath of fresh air, if a storm is closing in, the air will literally smell like it. The earth itself will give off the smell of compost as plants release their waste in preparation for the rain. Considering Animal Behavior Who better to look to for natural weather indicators than the local wildlife of the area you are journeying? Birds and insects will be among the most telling indexes. Both birds and insects seem to fly much closer to the ground before a good rain. This has to do with the thinning of the air. As the air pressure fails, the birds begin to feel a malaise in their ears. Keep a sharp eye out for big groups of roosting birds. If the birds you can see are flying high in the sky, chances are you are in for good weather. A lot of chirping and singing is another indicator of fair weather. Ants and spiders seem to always become more active just before a storm. Butterflies and bees revert back to the safety of their homes before a storm. If you are crossing a huge field of seemingly every flower, gloomy clouds are hanging low in the sky, and you see no bees or butterflies, chances are you are about to witness a storm of sorts. Watch for turtles. Are you turtly enough for the turtle club? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Turtles are smart enough to head for high ground up to two days before a storm approaches. 
If you see them out crossing the street in plethora or even just one or two, you may expect some bad weather. Check the cows in the pasture. If cows are flying through the air, a tornado (laughs) may or may not be near. On a serious note, if you notice a field full of cows lying down, you could possibly expect some afternoon storms and showers. Various weather lore. The sun, an old sailor's custom. Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky of the morning, sailors take warning. This is not always accurate. However, it is worth taking note. Another indication of weather by the way of the sun is to see first thing upon sunrise if the sun itself is red. If so, you are probably in the clear. Be sure that the sky around the sun is clear if it is red in the morning. Remember, take warning. Scope the moon. It has been said that if you can see the dark portion of a crescent moon, you can look forward to a couple of days of good weather. If you can see a ring or halo around the moon, you can definitely expect rain. Count the stars inside the ring and you will have a decent guess at how long it will rain. I never heard that one. Look to the trees. If the leaves of the trees surrounding you begin to look like they are turning skyward and showing their backs, it will rain. And then Easter Sunday. If it rains on Easter Sunday, expect rain for the next seven Sundays. If the crickets are hollering, screech owls are calling, the smoke is rising as steadily as the temperature, you can expect some delightful weather. Cell phones of the Weather Channel will not always be around to have your six, as if they are now anyway. And as preppers, we are all aware of the philosophy of preparedness. Get out there in the field and study up on cloud movement, wind observation, and all the other weather lore that has been passed down for centuries. Awesome, awesome article. I really enjoyed this one. Um, You know, and it might be one of those things where, you know, you go and you read this one. Maybe you even print this one out, right? With the strategy that I, with the extension that I shared on my latest video on YouTube on how to print out articles without getting all the junk in the article that you don't want and thus saving you paper and all that good stuff and formatting it the way you want it. Um, I'll link to that one in the show notes as well because I got a lot of good feedback on that. But uh, print print this one out. Maybe you keep this one. But then, you know, try to test it out in the morning as you're going to work. Or, or uh, maybe it's something you do with your kid, you know, as you're going. Now, elementary students, I know, like in uh, second through fourth grade, they, they do the basics of clouds. Every, you know, even second grade, they do the, like the cotton and, you know, on a blue background. And so they're making the different types of clouds, uh, you know, with glue and stuff like that. And then as you get, you know, into the upper grades, third grade, fourth grade, you know, they're going into a little bit more advanced information there. So definitely maybe that's something that you uh, do with your with your your child on the way to, to school or work or whatever. And then you're able to you know say, hey, what do you think? What do you think the weather's going to be like today? And uh, you make a prediction and you kind of go from there. I think that would be kind of cool to do that. But a lot of good information here. Again, like I said, over at PreppersWill.com. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 315 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and if you are receiving value from the podcast, I would appreciate a five-star review over at uh, iTunes. That always helps out to uh, get the uh, algorithms up there in iTunes and, and uh, get the Prepper Website Podcast in front of more eyes. 
Hey, and don't forget to take a minute to connect with me. I have a lot of ways in the show notes and then also over at theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. We have a Facebook group I'd love for you to come be a part of. And then don't forget, when you do purchase that ebook, you get to uh, come into the Prepper Website forums and be a part of that uh, as well. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.